Hello, this is Brooke Heaton with Just World Books. In his 30-year U.S. government career, Ambassador Chaz Freeman Jr. served in multiple stations around the world, including as U.S. Ambassador to Saudi Arabia during the first Gulf War and as Assistant Secretary of Defense. Early in his career, he served as the principal American interpreter during President Nixon's historic visit to Beijing and has maintained a keen eye for U.S.-Chinese relations since. In a conversation with the New America Foundation's Steve Clemens, Ambassador Freeman discussed what the rise of China as a military and economic power means for U.S. hegemony. Have a listen. China, which immediately comes to mind as our banker uh, for this debt. Um, several problems. The first is that with no debate at all in this country, we have embraced the neoconservative agenda of global military supremacy at all costs. That is why we spend, if you look at the defense budget and allied budgets, veterans, um, treasury funding of military pensions, intelligence budget, homeland security, la la la, if you, we spend more than the rest of the world combined. Because our objective, without our having really declared it, uh, is to sustain full spectrum military dominance throughout the globe. Uh, what that does in a case of li a country like China is turn the rise of China into a zero-sum game. If they get stronger, by definition, uh, that's a problem for our maintenance of our military supremacy. So there's an inherent antagonism that derives from what I think is our foolish and unsustainable embrace of this militaristic approach to the globe. Um, that's one part of it. The second part is that our military supremacy is fiscally hollow. Here are the figures. Federal government revenue from all sources, income, corporate, excise, tariff, Social Security, Medicare, taxes, is $2.2 Federal government transfer payments to individuals, pensions, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, etc., etc., unemployment, $2.4 trillion. Before we even get out of this box, we're borrowing $200 billion. And then we have to finance the functioning of the government, including its wars. And for that, we borrow an additional $1.3 trillion. So we have $2.2 trillion in revenue. We're spending $3.7 trillion, I believe that adds up to, and we are borrowing $1.5 trillion. There is no way that this is sustainable. And by the way, people say, oh, we're just borrowing a little bit of our GDP. Our GDP now is $14 trillion plus. $1.5 trillion is over 10% of that. And our national debt is now over 100% of our GDP. Before you even consider items that in any normal accounting system would be counted as obligations, liabilities, namely unfunded liabilities for Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and the like, uh, which come to $140 trillion. Um, we can't go on. And the major part of our discretionary budget, sorry to have to say this out loud, is our military. So I think 
we don't have any choice. We're going to have to redefine our objectives because if you can't live by your wallet, you have to live by your wits. And we are going to have to learn how to live by our wits. And that means a lot more diplomacy and a lot less send in the bombers and the marines kind of approach uh, to managing foreign relations. Uh, so with China, uh, we have these contradictions. Final point. Um, we have posited China as a, quote, peer competitor, unquote. This is a very wonderful concept. Whoever invented it, I think I know the man who did, deserves a huge prize because the definition of a peer competitor is someone who's currently unfit to compete but at some notional moment in the future will be so formidable that he will be able to outcompete you. So this is the perfect... This is the equivalent of the perpetual motion machine for military procurement. Because no matter what you do, this putative peer competitor will outdo you. Okay, now, so that's one part of it. It's brilliant. The second part of it, applied specifically to China, is China doesn't want to be a peer competitor. So instead of building aircraft carriers so we can refight and rewin the Battle of Midway, which is what we think would be the appropriate thing to do. Um, they're developing asymmetric means of dealing with our military supremacy. We aggressively surveil their coasts. All along them, the U.S. Navy is right up to the 12-mile limit. Um, Imagine they were doing that off San Diego, what we would think. Um, um, they don't like this. Uh, their answer to our intrusive military collection of intelligence is to invade our cyberspace, which they seem to have done quite effectively. Um, they have noticed that we are dependent on space-based intelligence and communications for our military effectiveness. So they've decided they've developed the capability to kill satellites. They've noticed that the carrier battle group is the preferred spearhead of American power projection, and they seem to be well along in developing both ballistic and cruise missile ways of, um, of killing uh, a carrier battle group. Um, now, those may, there may be defenses against all these things, and there probably are answers. Uh, but the point is, they're not behaving like the peer competitor we posit. And my final summation of the peer competitor notion is that what we seem to be afraid of is that they will become like us, that they will have an ideology they insist on everyone in the world conforming to, that they will intervene promiscuously throughout the world militarily rather than continue to use soft power and persuasion as they currently do, um, that they will throw their weight around, in other words, in much the way that we do, and they will demand the sort of deference from other countries that we do. Um, and of course, we'd also like them to be democratic like us so that they can be more nationalist and less flexible 
in approaching us, I presume. So um, our fear seems to be a mirror image. Uh, I don't actually think the Chinese, they, you know, as Henry Kissinger once remarked, uh, um, they got along quite well for 4,000 years without American counsel and advice. Um, I don't think their definition of success is to become like us. <laughs>